when I'm working with leaders, I'm not only really asking the question or are they curious, but then do I see a either a subtle or an abrupt, you know, and sometimes those happen, an abrupt change in behavior that says, you know what, I didn't have it and I'm going to do it differently and I'm willing to, and that's being teachable, I'm willing to change for the better. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people, and frankly, it just wasn't for us. But this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails, and we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lady Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode today. I have for you Jim Eikoff, who is president and CEO of Creative Dining Services. Now, if you're not familiar with them, they have over 2,000 employees serving customers across 16 states. They are ranked 28th in the top 50 top service companies in the U.S., valuing integrity and working in open and trusting relationships. CDS delivers fresh, sustainable, innovative, and customized hospitality experiences to its clients. Jim previously served in leadership roles over at Sally May, Apollo Education Group, You Promise, and other organizations. Jim, welcome to lead the team, sir. Hey, thanks, Ben. Pleasure to be here today. So the first thing that jumped out at me and checking out your LinkedIn profile, you were in banking for years. I mean, Sally May, these type of brand name organizations that everyone is familiar with. What was your journey like to creative dining services from there? Well, you know, I, I would always say it's rather eclectic in nature. Uh, my background was English and education. So <laughs> when I graduated from college, I was a certified high school teacher and I love that whole teaching and approach, but mm. the background for me was really dovetailed into to leadership and that first experience with the service master company and my first job uh, really mm. got me into the whole idea of what is leadership, servant leadership. It was a company focused on leadership. And from there, my roles were, were really just that, whether it was sales or marketing or whether it was in strategic initiatives as an executive um, at some of the firms I've worked with, really just give me a well-rounded educational background, which I could apply with focusing it on people and helping them be better at what they do each and every day. Wow. So I didn't pick up on that when I, when I was checking it out. So you were first a teacher. Yes. And what grade did you teach? It was high schools. 
high, high school. school. Okay. Yeah, certain subjects or sort of general? Uh, English was my major. So oh, English. Okay. To, uh, yeah. You know, the fun stuff that uh, actually everyone rolls their eyes at, you know, uh, poetry and creative writing and all the things that I know people really, really love, especially at the high school level. So what, do, what does an executive or need to know about leadership from teaching? There's probably a lot well, there. I think, so, yeah. Well, you know, what executives really know for me about leadership is that you, first of all, got to be humble yourself. I think it really starts with your inner self, the who you are, the being that you are, the attitude mm-hmm. that you bring forward in, in the workplace. Um, people read real quickly an egotistical, self-centered leader. And, you know, it's tempting with title to say, you know what, I have the right to direct or demand or expect, you know, this way or my way or the highway. And I, I think one of the things either emerging mm. leaders today or current leaders, sometimes that's self-reflection. You've got to humble yourself, realizing that, you know, you're better when you get the buy and the ownership and you reflect what your people are really looking for each and every day. Wow. So you heard all of someone say it's my way or, or the highway before? Have <laughs> you heard yeah, that a few times? A few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's dangerous leadership advice from people that's that say that, I suspect, because... That's sort of the old school mindset of, hey, I'm the leader. I'm going to tell you what to do. But uh, then I suspect, I mean, from your perspective, why is that such bad leadership advice? Well, I, I, you know, I had a situation at one point in my career where everything our team did, and as a, I was an EVP in an organization, and it got to the point of saying, we were thinking, why did you even hire us? If, if you're going to tell us everything to do it and how to do it and the way to go about doing it. And you know, as a leader, especially at that upper level leadership roles, you hire talent and you hire talent to maximize your overview review. Uh, but if if you're really going to actually tell everybody how to do it, it's it's basically demotivating. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're really hardcore nosed about it, people can actually get work out of fear saying, I'm afraid, so I better do what that leader tells me to do. And we had some environments where, you know, I had a leader or two that, you know, you kind of, you did it because you were fearful of let, being let go or, and, mm-hmm. and that's just not a good place to be. It works for a short period of time, in all honesty, but people will start looking to find, you know, a better match if it's kind of that dictatorial, uh, you know, my way or the highway, as we mentioned earlier, uh, approach. Yeah, it might, especially it might work with people that are really earlier in their career, but they want to grow they want to develop and eventually they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm executing all this stuff, but I'm not becoming the leader that, that I could, or, or my potential is being held back. Right. And they start looking for jobs elsewhere. Going back to your career, since you've been able to apply these leadership principles across so many different sectors, but from a career development standpoint, what's the commonality? Like how have you been able to sort of jump from industry to industry and be so successful? Did you, and how did you get these opportunities uh, in the first place? Yeah, I, I think the, the the key element for me is I really developed a relationship with a, a, a mentor leader, someone that, you know, you, I just yeah. was blessed by having someone that said, hey, you know, how, I want to help you get better. It may be, I may be tough on you. I may have a little bit of a uh, you know, a different angle than you may have because of your lack of experience. But if you're willing to be taught, I'm willing to teach. And I've lucked out with having a, a good chunk of folks that have been great teachers as well. And that's just an element that I thrive on. I, obviously, I was a teacher. So the question became how, if I'm going to be a teacher, can I be teachable? 
And so for me, um, I had some of those leaders that, you know, really put their arm around like a good coach. You know, you make a mistake on the field, but then they're going to say, let's review the play. Let's relook at this thing and let's re re redraw it. And what do we learn from it? And let's try to prevent that from before. And then when you have that relationships in a couple of places, I followed a leader who went to another organization in a different mm -hmm. discipline because of our chemistry together. And it, it worked out very nicely. And I can tell you my personal experiences, I have brought a couple other individuals with me as, as in my career progression at different organizations. And now as a CEO, you know, I've brought people that I've had great experience with because we know each other, uh, our egos are set aside and, you know, it was a two-way street. I set my ego aside to make me better as a person. And likewise, that individual set their, their egos aside so they could elevate and be better. And we've kind of followed paths as a team uh, in a couple of different places. That's definitely a common element with some of the leaders on our, on our show where they become a leader that sort of curates and cultivates a team. And then you have an opportunity somewhere and you bring that team. And sometimes maybe... The company that hires you in, I don't know if you have this experience or not, but I've heard it where the, the company expects that. Like yeah. you're going to have to bring your team. They want you to bring some of your all-star team, kind of like the uh, college football portal. <laughs> you're right. You're right. That's oh. when you, you, you see all the, you know, the, they go, you know, for me, it was like people initially, when they look at the resume, they go English major you know, social studies minor, worked in the banking business, you know, how, how does this work in higher education or how does this work in food? You know, as a CEO of a food company, you're like, okay, what's your culinary background? Well, I don't have one. It's It truly came down to leadership. Um, and yeah. that, that's an yeah. important element. I think most companies are looking for leaders. You can teach the technical or some of the book stuff. You can, you can be taught uh, those mm -hmm. elements, but sometimes leadership uh, needs to be, you know, groomed over a long period of time is a lot more difficult to. Uh, so I was going to ask you the one trait that you wish you could instill in every employee and why it's important, but I think you just answered that. Yeah. Is it being yeah. teachable? Yeah, is that, is that teachable. the one? Yeah, it's, it's not, I don't hear that often. And I think that some synonyms that come up maybe is being curious, but that's different than being teachable because when you're being teachable, you're, being proactive at seeking out teachers, great teachers. And that's different than being curious. Remember, you're asking questions, but I, I like this idea of being teachable because you're going to really get good at identifying great teachers to learn from because there are some people that may not be the best teacher. You, you may not really want to learn their playbook. And just because they're your boss does not necessarily mean that they are the right teacher. So identifying that. So I'm curious from your standpoint, when you say be teachable, what do you look for and what have you looked for in great teachers? You know, you, you might tell, you know, I think the idea of being curious, but with that curiosity, it's, it's Billy, the ability to ask questions and, and for clarification or understanding and then adapting that style mm -hmm. or that practice differently than you did before because it isn't quite hitting the mark so you know you, the idea that you can add, hmm. just because you're, i'm teachable i'm going okay what does that mean it's then i as a leader in development or even me today you know i i do ask a lot of questions but i'm curious because my intent is i've got to you know make a change potentially in how i'm doing that so when i'm working with leaders i'm looking for not only are they asking the question or are they curious but then do i see a either a subtle or an abrupt 
you know, and sometimes those happen, a, a, an abrupt change in behavior that says, you know what, I mm. didn't have it and I'm going to do it differently and I'm willing to, and that's being teachable. I'm willing to change for the better um, mm. and not say, hey, thanks for answering the question, but I still think my way is better. <laughs> I'm curious enough to ask the question, but I'm not changing anything that I'm going to do <laughs> versus the teachable person is like, okay, I'm going to adapt what I've learned. Exactly. And, and do something with it uh, in the situation I'm in. Now, that's a great distinction. And a person with a background in English would hit a grand slam on that question like you just did. <laughs> Defining curiosity versus being teachable. Right, right. Oh, that's so good. Uh, without including names, what's the colorful story of when someone quit or was fired? Yeah, you know that's that you know that just dovetails perfectly this whole idea of are you are you willing to adapt and to change your style or you know take a look at maybe you uh, you know a lot of times people are correct in the where they what they want to accomplish but maybe the process isn't there. This happened a few years ago, and I had a, a team of about ten. Uh, I was an executive, and we had a great group of people, but we had one individual that it was about me, myself, and I, and it was very apparent. Um, during meetings, a lot of times statements were made and um, arguments were done by this individual. And every time people would look at me as the leader to say, are you going to just keep on dealing with this? Are you going to accept mm. that? You know, there's a whole idea of care fronting post meeting, I believe, in that praise and public kind of constructive, you know, enhancement or improvement conversations done in private. And it really didn't go well <laughs> for a few times. And one time this individual uh, didn't like it. And basically in front of everybody said, I quit, I'm done with this. And a lot of me and my type of co mm. comments made as this individual literally stormed down out the room and down the hall. And you could hear the individual walking down the hallway. And as, as I went down and I tried to go, you know, everyone looked at me and I left the room and I said, I just want to let you know, I do accept your resignation today. And I appreciate everything you've done. But when you can't, mm be for the betterment of the team. You have, you have nine other peers here that are really moving progress forward and, and, and making adaptions and you're not, this is probably not the best fit for you. So your resignation has, has now been accepted. And that that's-, that's your resignation, you just, you don't realize it, but you just resigned when you walked out of the office like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the declarations and, you know, all that kind of thing. It's, you be careful what you say, um, obviously is, is a good adage as well, but Part of this that story is not just about that individual who walked off, but it's about your about your direct report team hmm. that was looking to me as the leader to say, is this behavior going to be continued to be tolerated? And it just just couldn't be because, you know, a lot of people, oh, you got to save the person. And it was a flash of the moment. But I, I think you're you're and you gain respect as a leader when you're saying, look, you know what? The we here is more important than that individual, even though they're smart and sharp and they could do it. They've proven a few times here in a row that they can't and aren't willing to be a team player. And it's just, it's a cancer. It just won't work. Yeah. A great story from an illustration standpoint on so many different levels, but one of the ones that's really hitting home with me on it is you've got those nine other people and those people are contributing and you're trying to mold them and work with them, want them to be together as a team, but one person acting out, and in ways that aren't helpful to the team can be destructive and just to be this huge energy suck. And especially when it happens in a public way like that, it's it's hard as a leader to step up in those moments and do something because you're like, I don't want to, I want to do this the right way. 
and it may not be obvious what the right way is. Yeah. I mean, what do you say to leaders who are like, man, I want to, I mean, maybe they're in a similar situation and they're trying to do it the right way, but it's not really clear on how they should go about letting someone go in this situation. I think part of that is it, that's a coaching element. You know, there's so many analogies you can make, but, it, you know, in a case where I believe there's a point in time where someone has proven they cannot do the role or the job that they're in. Mm. And it's not to a lack of effort of coaching or mentoring or, you know, exposing to the workshops and seminars or maybe a peer coach <laughs> or those types of things or a coaching program. But there does come a point when, and that's that's what you're paid to be as a leader too. If you want to look at the bottom line, part of that job description, part of that responsibility is saying, if there's somebody that's proving they can't, it's best to coach them to move on. Because I believe in, in anecdotal conversations post letting somebody go, a lot of times they recognize that they're not hitting that mark and actually a little relieved. But man, as a leader, you, 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 you grapple with it and you challenge with it. No, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings. Um, and it's not about feelings anymore. It's about performance and about mm -hmm. expectation, whether it's board or shareholders or whether it's just your peer group. You got to get to that point where we can part ways. And part of that then is that process post. Let us help you find the right fit, whether it's something yeah. else internally here or something you know outside the organization. But then that's the other part of coaching is, okay, how do we get you to the place where you really would be a great fit? Yeah. So, so I guess some great insights there, Jim. We'll when an employee has a big idea, so heading in a different direction on that, when an employee has a big idea, what's your advice on how they should communicate it to the C-suite? I love the question of the big idea and how do I how do I talk to an executive or how do I talk to leadership that you know I may be on the front line, I may be you know supervisor, yeah. not in that 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 uh, kind of the C-suite concept. I was told early in my career that. You know, I was told to call on CEOs. I was probably in my mid to early 20s. I was in a significant sales role, but they wanted you to call on presidents of, of the institutions that I was asked to sell to. And I'm telling the story because it sets up the, the, the answer. And I, I mean, I was struggling with that. I go, gosh, you know, I'm not that, but you know, his experience, he goes, okay, a minutes. Take off your shoes. I'm going to take off my shoes. He goes, put your shoes on. Like I did, tied them up. He put his shoes on, tied them up. I go, we all put our, I'm an EVP. You're a frontline sales guy. We put our shoes on the same way. People in leadership <laughs> C-suite, everyone puts on their shoes the same exact way, basically. It, it, we're, all, we're all people. And so my encouragement to people that have big ideas is, first of all, don't be afraid. Your boldness will be noticed and recognized. Also, come prepared. I have a kind of like a, what I call a one-minute manager or one-page purpose process payoff. So the idea is, hey, the purpose of my wanting to sit down with you is here's my idea. The process would be something like, you know, here are some things I'm observing and seeing. And I think if we do A, B, and C, here comes the payoff. It could be a better productivity enhancement. Oh, nice. It could uh -huh. save us some money. And so when you think <laughs> of it that way, now we're having a conversation about your idea and you've thought it through. And, you're, and I, I'm recognizing, hey, you're bold, be your, have a passion for it and see you're prepared. And man, that, that grabs the attention. And then we say, you know what, that's worth investigating. Or they might go, no, I don't know what we can do that right minute, right now, but I'd like to hold on to your, your idea here and let's, we'll get back to it. But then the key is get back to the person saying we flushed this out, didn't quite have the economic impact. And we put it in the big piece mm -hmm. or this is a great idea. We'd like you to be on a subcommittee to help flush your idea out. Yeah, great. No, I think it's a great way for people to think about how they present it. So, number, like the shoe 
<laughs> the literal shoe shoe tying is all about mindset. Right. Going into this with trying to, even though it's different from an organizational level standpoint, trying to talk as a peer yep. in a conversation. And then secondly, give them a nice framework to think about it. And, I think uh, as a leader, yeah. though, you got to set that tone every day. So it isn't as, as, as intimidating. Mm. Um, you know, that old adage, walk, managed by walking around, you know, in our business right now, oh, yeah. you know, we yeah. have, you know, 80 some locations across the, our footprint. And, you know, I, I, I can come in and people can get nervous, but I try to say, hey, look, I'm approachable. Uh, I'm, I'm here for you to show off. I'm not here to critique every little thing that may not be exactly right. And I, I, I want to be able to be, you know, ask honest questions. And then you got to be able, again, we go back to that asking questions. You mm. must ask questions of people throughout all levels of your organization because they're going, hey, he asked me a question. He's given me permission to answer freely. And it kind of it, it actually just gets rid of this CEO, C-suite versus rank and file. It's just like, hey, I'm, I'm part of the team. And it's it's a normalization of of us as people versus title versus title. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. When's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, this, this question, I, I think of about 10 to 15 things real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that I failed at. But uh-huh. I think the one was, you know, I, I had a, a sales role and I was very successful at selling multi-million dollar pieces of business. And I was, again, one of these things followed a teacher of mine, a mentor coach that now was the COO of the company. He was looking mm-hmm. to start up a new, new sales organization, part of a startup. And he said, Jim, I need to come in and sell our product. And then I was sold on it. It was I think between $15,000 and $20,000 for this unit sale. And I go, that's easy. First, it's inexpensive. It's, man, it delivers. They had certified outcomes that were quadruple the, the average of other like product. And so I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to make a gazillion dollars and this is going to be an easy sell. And my first year of sales, I, did, I made zero sales, made nothing. I failed miserably. What I didn't take into effect was, the industry I was selling in before, a million dollars, two million or a hundred million dollars was a fraction of multi-billion dollar operation. I was in the education market and $20,000 was like multi-million dollars. So it was mm. a challenge for a mm. school to implement the program. And it got to the point where I had done some presentations with the founder. Um, I was really, A, first of all, not taking his advice on some some how, how we should present because I knew better. And after a third failed conversation in a row, I was sitting in the parking lot. I kind of banged my head against the steering wheel. I said, man, I am not hitting it. And I just said, I need help. Hmm. We canceled our meetings for the rest of the week. And we just sat at the time I was a remote kind of worker in my home. And I just reset my entire approach, my entire philosophy. 
and said, look, I have got to be better. I kind of fail forward at that moment in a big way because I ended up being their uh, you know, EVP of sales and we grew our business. But man, it took me a year to get massively humbled. And my way was not the way. It was a way that I need to be open and I failed forward. And that was early in my sales leadership. I ended up being the leader there, but that was my first sales leadership roles. And then hmm. kind of the, my sales leadership over the next 25 years took off exponentially with some other companies. So it was amazing. But boy, it was a fair that I thought at the time my income was a third of what I was earning before and everything else. It was oh. a great picture at the moment. But it, but it sounds like it was a real wake-up call and then it propelled you forward later, but you had to be open to new, you guess you'd open to this new approach. Right. Yes. And it, and it, and it, and it took you to the next level. And, and I think this is a good story because he modeled good coaching and teaching and then willing to give me a chance. Hmm. It's one thing if, you know, so for me, when I've done this applied mat learning in the future, I've had salespeople yeah. just get frustrated and say, let's back up a minute. Let's reset ourselves. So you got this, you've got the skill set. I know that now something we've got to figure out where's the gap, what's the hole. But again, I thank the, the, the leader I had who was willing to, continue to coach and give me a second chance. And, and I tell you what, then you become, I was very loyal and committed, you know, yeah. et cetera. And that's, that's one way to develop loyalty and commitment from others is when you give them that second chance, because they're willing to change, but you're willing to coach and keep at it and not give up too quickly. So starting to wind this up, Jim, what are three success strategies that all employees need to understand? You know, it's a fantastic question about, you know, what are three success strategies from a leadership perspective, I I just think that there are three things that you've got to do. One is to uphold and shine the light on others hmm. and not on myself. Um, so many times you can get caught up in this is going to be about myself and about the accolade of me. And I think the other thing is who, who behind you, are you pushing them out in front and center? It could be through at a board meeting. You know, I have my direct reports do some of the presenting as opposed to mm. me presenting it. It comes from their heart and their mind. I'll build up their successes. And for an executive session and there's a challenge, I'll deal with that one. But, you know, pushing people forward, um, you know, that's a key element. Um, the other is take the heat and the blame and own, the, own it when your team struggles. Mm. When And that applies to all levels of an organization. Because if you start pointing the finger at everybody else, a lot of people don't want to work for you if you do that. It's like, where's where where is it that, you know, where did Jim go? I mean, he was here when we did great, but man, he's gone when we're struggling and he's point blaming us. That doesn't make any sense. And you hear a lot of dissatisfaction mm. there. And that whole idea of, again, no blaming, um, I think, think that's the biggest one. The blame game can really, it can derail a career as well. That gets discovered real quickly and people be demotivated. Uh, it, it could have an adverse effect on on a leader's performance if the blame game goes too deep. Starting to wind this up on that question, but I got one more. Let's talk Peloton. Uh, yeah. So you describe yourself as a workout junkie on the Peloton. What role does exercise play in your career? And uh, what's your advice for others on that? Yeah, it, it's part of the, the the three three balances for me. You know, it's, it's physical, spiritual, and mental, and that's the physical side. I, until I got knees bad and all this stuff, used to jog, run, and all that stuff. But the Peloton is one of these things. More hotels have them now, but it has become, 
I become an addict with it, but it allows <laughs> me to escape okay. um, physically and it and it drives you. It gets the endorphins going. It it helps with, you know, you're getting leaned out, whether and I've done new things like yoga, people like yoga or stretching. You know, you don't have to be the one that can touch your nose to the ground, but I'm getting more flexible. And it just allows me to feel good about myself physically. It allows me to sleep better. And in a it, it, just in a nutshell, it provides that that balance. I feel good physically, and as a result, it helps me with my mental game about strategy and thinking, and then that whole spiritual side of, of making sure that I have that alignment with my, my personal belief um, and my personal uh, spiritual goals so that then, you know what, they all meld together, mm-hmm. and I just then I kind of freed up to, I think, be effect, more effective leader. So do you do a Peloton? How many days a week are you, are you doing it? Some form of fashion, seven. I, you know, whether Today. it's, uh, you know, it, it may, maybe not a hard drive hour on the pel- on the bike every day, but it could be something as simple as, you know, I can do a 15 minute stretching, kind of reset time type of thing. Okay. Kind of blend it. So off. you do, do you do classes on the Peloton? Yeah, I do all like, the classes on the Peloton. You, you know? do, okay. And the classes piece makes them much more engaging, right? Than yeah. just- They're engaging. And guess what? Once you start, if you stop, it says, are you sure you want to stop? Don't stop now, you know. So it's like, okay, I'm committed. I'm in. I got. Are they what they start emailing you? Yeah, they yeah, saying, yeah. <laughs> Come on back. Come get on the yeah. bike. Yeah. And so when you travel, right. do you find, do you have are there pelotons in the hotels where uh, that you travel to or? Yeah, they actually many just, do. Um, okay. You know, different properties have them in there, and you actually can put your own codes in, so you get quote credit for your workouts. Get and, your okay, okay, yeah, great. And, and how long you been doing it for? I gosh, just uh, midway through COVID. So it's been about two and a half years now. Okay. Um, just wow. clubs were closed. And um, yeah, so that's been been more I've been at with that. Yeah, it's just a good reminder to leaders about, hey, making time for you to do the physical things you need to do to stay in shape and a high performance job like yourself. And, you know, I, I sometimes work out with a trainer or I like to play tennis, but both those, one of the things that, that they have in common is it gets me out of my head for a while. And just yes. into my body and 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 if you escape and then when you come back as you're talking about to your work you know you you feel more refreshed yeah something to be said yes, for absolutely. that absolutely and i do it at the beginning of the day start the day there and it just cleanses everything okay. out i was gonna ask that ask questions so what so what time do you get on the bike yeah probably i'm on the bike by 5 30. 5 30 okay so that's your cup of coffee that's right do you drink coffee the coffee doesn't come until after I'm uh, cleaned up. After, okay, all right. So you okay? So you wake up, just pop on the bike. Yep. All right. Well, a cool little behind the scenes in Jim's day there on his Peloton journey. <laughs> Congratulations on how, how many days are you out now? Consecutive? Uh, consecutive. I missed one a week, uh, two weeks ago, but uh, I'm on 110 straight weeks of working out and. Uh, I think I've missed two days in the last 80. So, wow. Well, strike me as a guy who commits, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty darn cool. So, thanks for coming on, lead the team, my friend. All right. Thank you so much. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. 
That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.